contemplative, 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 contemplative podcast. Hello, I'm Matt Emery and welcome to the Contemplative Podcast. In this episode, I'm delighted to speak to Contemplative's very own Michael Price and Katie Jackson. We talk about studying, working, jobs around music, being an artist, erase taped records, Michael's new album Tender Symmetry, Contemplative Classical, favourite albums and much, much more. There'll be music along the way with tracks by Michael, such as A Bridge, Quarry Bank, Entanglement, Fountains, and to finish off a beautiful cover by Katie of Bob Nolan's Cool Water, which also features in the soundtrack of Buster Shrugs. You can also catch Michael live at Southbank Centre's Purcell Room on Saturday, May 18th, performing a special show with London Contemporary Orchestra. The show is part of a special series curated by Erased Tapes featuring artists such as Michael Price, Rival Consoles and Hattis Noir, all performing of London Contemporary Orchestra at Southbank's Purcell Room as part of the Purcell Sessions. So let's kick things off with Michael's track Shade of Dreams taken from his album Tender Symmetry, which is out now. the early days um, did you always want to be a musician growing up and have you always played instruments I'll go Katie first um, yeah I've always been interested in music when I was younger the first instrument I picked up was a violin that then moved to saxophone then a bit of piano and then I settled on guitar and singing and now I'm a singer-songwriter um, I study music at the University of Surrey and I'm in my final year and very much loving it awesome. yeah it's very I just love songwriting and all of that and definitely music is something that I'm going to keep doing forever hopefully uh, yeah so I'm I'm a thousand years older than Katie so I uh, started playing trumpet when I was a kid so I was a brass player and grew up in Yorkshire so I played cornet and flugelhorn as well in uh, in various brass bands do you still play? Uh, I have got a trumpet there is one behind you but it's now sort of a weapon of war really rather than a, a source of joy and beauty so I've got it plugged in with a little silent mute system into a set of guitar pedals so it, wow. you you will hear it on some film and TV stuff but hopefully you won't recognise it if, yeah. I do, if I've done it properly cool but and yeah I, I think I was going to say I think I mean maybe with Katie as well that, that the um that music when I was a kid was a very social thing. It was an, an activity for friends to do together. It was, an, it was what got me out of West Yorkshire as well in that we'd come down to London to, to play either a brass band contest or on a youth orchestra trip or just that um, the sense of your horizons broadening and meeting other people from, from in Europe or around the world because you played music together was something that was, was really important and, I, and it makes me 
both angry and sad that those opportunities are, are not as common at all for kids these days unless you've got the money to pay for it. So, uh, yeah, on a daily basis, I, uh, I, I try and do my little bit to, to change that. Awesome. And did you study? Uh, yeah, I also was at the University of Surrey. Yeah. So I did, oh, the, right, I right. did the Tom Meister <laughs> course again back in back in the dinosaur days. And and that I thought was for me was a spectacular moment because um, from from being what felt like slightly isolated in the in the things that I was into when I was up at home, you, I was suddenly surrounded by a, a group of amazing, clever, funny musicians who wanted to learn about studios. Um, so it was, yeah, it's heaven. Awesome. And did you, like, coming out of uni, did you go straight into music, or did you have like uh, sort, of, sort of some jobs in between <laughs> that? Or how, how did you get into the more sort of scoring for TV? Did that come first, the scoring for sort of TV and film, or straight out of uni? I, I went straight to work in WX Smiths in Leeds selling records, <laughs> which I think will be very familiar to to a lot of people who are studying, um, because to to get a, a a professional career as a as a composer or player or whatever your area is, you know, is is like finding a unicorn and not just like a normal unicorn, a particularly yeah. special one. It's it's very difficult to put together. So, like so many people, um, I went to work in a shop and then I went to work on the phones for First Direct. Hello, this is First Direct. <laughs> How can I help? Still got still got it, um, and carried on writing music in the background carried on writing evenings weekends i did shifts at first direct so that i could write more often so i did yeah. like four longer shifts and that gave me another free day in the week um and it wasn't really until my mid-20s that i got a job as an assistant for michael Kamen, um and that's when it that's when i that's what got on the um the treadmill if you like of film and tv um but casey i mean you you're facing the same thing when you come out uh at the end of this year yes, of, of, yes. of what do people with music degrees do when mm. they're finished yeah it's it's scary but exciting yeah um i think the kind of instinct for me is to just move to london but obviously it's preferable to do that if you have a job yes. um so hopefully i'll find one of those um it's great because the whole year working for michael means i have a lot more opportunities and people that i know in london yeah so hopefully that will open more doors but yeah have you got time a will tell. Particular avenue that you want to aim for? No, but I'm going to say that's a good thing right now because I'm open-minded to cool. anything. Hopefully, I'll figure that out soon. So got the artist side of things um, and you've released a lot of your work with the raised tapes how did that come to be how did you uh, find Robert <laughs> or did he find did, you I was going to say does anyone find Robert or does does he come and come and looking for you um, I'd done some string quartets uh, that had had just done for fun um, at the end of a, a day of recording some uh, charts for a for a pop record and uh, a mutual friend sent them through to Robert and that started a, a long, slow conversation, really about um, whether or not 
what I was doing would be a fit for erased tapes, whether they would be a fit for me, where what I wanted to do as an artist and um, and how Robert could curate and produce and, and support that if it was something that we could find a way to work together on. And I think it's something that, that I've found incredibly useful over the last five or six years now is having uh, a, a, someone to, to challenge you in terms of your ideas as well as sort of uh, music. And so someone like Robert with a, with a wide cultural interest and a very um, forward-thinking view of where music is at, where design is at, where the whole sort of, you know, a, a, a broad sense of uh, how to make a difference, really, artistically, is is incredibly potent um, uh, foil to 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 sort of battle against sometimes and other times to celebrate with. Because I, I think as an artist in, in my case who comes from the, uh, or predominantly from the film and TV world, although before film and TV I was an artist, that, yeah. that's how we all start. Yeah. I was writing classical, contemporary classical music and writing music for ballet and, and contemporary dance. But I, I think now, particularly in a, in a crowded uh, musical world where there is a lot of music out there, then... I find personally that that the ideas behind the music are as important and for them to be thoroughly thought through and challenged and developed so that actually we're we're making meaningful art almost that just happens to be music yeah not just the superficial surface of something that kind of sounds pretty yeah and and Robert and erase tapes have yeah he's got that down yeah cool and we'd be lovely to touch on the new album because um it is quite a piece of work to be honest um tender symmetry how did that come about because obviously for those who may not know you filmed at loads of national trash locations like was that your idea was that robert how did that come to be and yeah can you tell us a bit more about it totally it was it was one of those um i think all the best ideas sort of grow and so the starting point was really that i wanted to to not be in the studio, I wanted to be out out in the world. And uh, my first thought was that uh, I'd got a book on deserted churches, and I was I was scanning around and, and kind of crawling over barbed wire and yellow and black tape to try and go into disused buildings. And that felt like a kind of felt like there was something in there about bringing spaces to life and and putting music into spaces where where there isn't music. And that then evolved um, by a, a series of uh, chance meetings through meeting Andrew Ellis, who uh, is a Liverpool-based um, producer, uh, the most astonishing person of getting things done. He's <laughs> an incredible guy who I now love as a friend. Cause he, um, and so it turned out that he had a contact at Speak Hall, uh, again, near Liverpool Airport, that happened to be a National Trust venue. So we went up to see that, and then gradually the National Trust, both at a local and national level, were incredibly supportive. So the more we investigated, the, the wider open they became to uh, us using their spaces. And so we ended up with uh, six National Trust spaces and then another space, which was the first one that I did 
before then. Um, ranging from amazing deserted monasteries to tunnels cut into the cliffs of Dover. And, and it was really, again, I think, uh, obviously the music is important. It's, it's paramount to try and make the best record you can. But also where, you know, as artists, we're living in the world right now. It's a, it's a scary, beautiful, changing world. And it feels like we've got a, a responsibility to, to respond to that and yeah. to be making work that is, that is meaningful. Certainly, I think that's very important. And so my way of uh, trying to find some, uh, some meaning was to look a long way backwards in order to tell some stories about now and the future. So it's part of the, uh, the, the joy of recording in ancient spaces sometimes and using William Blake texts from the end of the 1700s uh, reinforced just how contemporary the, the human issues that we've got are that we, in a way we've we've always struggled with similar things but that doesn't mean to say that that we've fixed them or solved them now yeah. we're, you know we're still the human condition is very is very much the same and and so it was an extraordinary exploration of which um, making making and recording music became the the product of it but the process of it was as important yeah. as the as the outcome To contemplative classical. Yeah, what inspired you guys to set it up and Katie, how did you get involved? Um, I don't really know the inspired question, so I'll leave Michael to that, but I kind of latched on, I suppose. Um, technically, I worked for Michael for a year on my placement year. Um, obviously, he was my boss, so I wasn't going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I soon, yeah, I soon, you know, grew to love it very quickly, in fact. Um, we did build it from nothing, really. It was a playlist when I joined, but the social media was nothing, and to see it grow in really like quite a short amount of time yeah. um, is incredible. And it's just really like this wonderful community, and to still be involved is such a pleasure. And to you know, it really makes people's days. Artists who have just brought out a single and they can just get in touch with us, and we can help them out. It's such a pleasure to be the person to press publish, you yeah. know, on all of these sites and. It's great. I'm very happy that Michael let me be involved. Um, <laughs> I'm very happy you are. Yeah. 
But inspiration-wise, I do not know. Yeah, was there a vision behind it, or is it...? I, I think that uh, just before uh, Katie came to join us, which was, was very pleased that she did, um, uh, myself and Sam Jashka, who as well, who's very involved in, in the curation of the playlist and the design um, identity behind Contemplative Classical as well, I'd, I'd been... Uh, basically, there's always half a dozen half-baked ideas on the on the table around here yeah. of some kind or other. It's almost like a sort of research lab <laughs> on a good day. And, and so I'd had half a dozen ideas of... Um, different ways to engage either a wider community in uh, particular genres of music or in terms of uh, trying to tie together some ideas that I'd got about um, where social media and music communities and music publishing were going in the future. So there were sort of little experimental ideas and we tried a few of them and uh, and it w was literally like sort of doing one of those biology experiments where you gr you put a lot of little seeds in and see which one grows, and the other ones, they they could have they could have worked if we'd put a lot of time and energy in. But contemplative classical felt like it sort of grew of its own accord, which mm. I think is a really great a great sign that it's that it's not necessarily something that. Uh, that any anybody is doing for commercial gain. In yeah. fact, uh, <laughs> it's sort of the opposite of yeah. commercial gain. Um, but it, it felt like very quickly that as soon as Katie uh, came in and started um, uh, using her own voice and her own uh, experience and her own energy to uh, to to bring everybody together, that there was a very productive... Um, enhancement of everybody's work a celebration of work mm. which felt like a very positive uh, message to be to be putting out there and so after the first year of at the end of Katie's placement it was unthinkable we sat and had a big meeting and yeah. it was unthinkable <laughs> that we would stop doing it because mm. it seemed so uh, in a, such a positive force so we're currently uh, Katie's uh, Keeping it, keeping the the ball rolling whilst mm. doing her final year, which is quite impressive. Um, but I think, I mean, I, I don't know what your your vision of the future is, Katie. Uh, it's difficult to say. Obviously, ideally, it continues to grow. Yeah. Whether it goes into something else, like evolves, I don't know. But for it to just continue to be a positive force, a wonderful community, and you know, if the audience grows, great. But if it doesn't, it's at a it's at a really nice place now, you know. Yeah. Um, just it's certainly brought together a lot of people. Yeah, like yeah. A, there's just so many composers on kind of the smaller level that I've spoken to, and everyone knows, you know, we speak to each other, and it's, you know, everyone's sort of getting on the playlist from Spotify mm -hmm. each week, and it's just, it's lovely. It's kind of, it. I've found so many artists through it at the same time, mm, same. and then it's, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's great, and to try and think of all of them there are so many which is so wonderful because you think oh yeah these people and then you're like oh these people as well and these but there's just so many talented artists and we can celebrate them yeah and it's great and the fact that it's weekly as well i feel like it's quite an unusual playlist concept of it we add on we remove the older stuff yeah. but it just constantly refreshes which is uh, i find very nice i i listen to it i enjoy it um
we'll move on to sort of what you both been listening to because obviously you both I'm sure listen to a lot of music um, is there anything over the last year or so that you've that's really stood out or inspired you in any way you first um, for me Erland Cooper's Soul and Goose is definitely one that's right up there yeah. that's definitely an album that I listen to the whole way through um, which is nice because I feel like a lot of the time I listen to playlists and it's great to experience an album as it's your meant to experience. Um, also his migrations that he did with William Doyle, I believe. Yeah. Incredible. So nice. I love it. Um, <laughs> there, there, there's too, too much to name, really. I suppose, like, the all-time favourite tracks. Do you know Judith by Jacob David? Yeah. That's just, The ones that just, like, immediately you're just like, yes, I'm on board with this. Um, Angus McRae's Mirror Lake. Love it. Um, Beachcombing, Richard Luke. I feel like I'm not answering your questions. There are, these are some tracks <laughs> I like. <laughs> there are so many albums, but they're the ones that really, for me, will always, I will always love them. Um, there's so much more, but, you know, listen to the, the playlist. And you'll know what I like. <laughs> Great plug. <Yeah. laughs> what about you, Michael? I think one of the, um, one of the incredible pleasures of um, being part of having so many friends who are, who are musicians and composers is seeing seeing your really good friends make outstanding work. So there's been two albums recently that I've not only loved as albums, but you know admire the people making them and a good friend. So uh, Peter Gregson, the cellist, who many people I'm sure will, will know, his Bach recomposed album, it's just, it's so amazingly, it's so Bach and it's so Peter and it sounds so great. And and made with care and love and and meaning as well, which which um, I think he was like the perfect candidate for that album. Oh, you know, for nobody else could have done that. Yeah, it's just, I agree. It, it it's it's very smart and and another very good old friend, Matt Robertson, who is a electronic artist in his own right, but um, played and MD'd in Bjork's band for years and years. And Matt and I, he's, he's another Surrey graduate. Mm. Uh, we've been friends for 25 years now. In fact, he he stayed in my house for quite a long time, whether whether I liked it or not. It's just like <laughs> the world's longest roommate, and uh, and he's just uh, released this album, which is just out now, Entology, which is um, a the it's on Tape Club, and they I kindly got a, a vinyl through the post the other day, and you have that kind of you think you know someone and then they do something extraordinary and and you kind of go that's a, that's my mate yeah. and that's a, just a great electronic album it's sort of again meaningful beautiful incredibly well crafted uh really emotional so yeah anthology on tape club records i'd totally check that out cool and are there any seminal albums that you feel sort of have really opened up either your minds or changed your way of writing or the way you've looked at music at all is there anything that you feel that shaped the um, way you listen to music or, or the way you write at all that's a very good question i know it's really <laughs> hard to admit because it's over just giving years, myself more time be, to think yeah loads <laughs> lots of records that stand out and it's sometimes even picking one or two is hard mm, mm. um i'm gonna not completely answer it properly but really just this genre in all honesty i didn't listen obviously i didn't listen as much as i listen to now but classical neoclassical contemporary classical whatever you want to call it really it has changed the way i've th thought about music and the 
because there's so diff- many different ways people write this kind of music and hearing that range, it, it has changed that way, definitely. Um, have you I don't noticed know. That it have effect on any of your songwriting at all, do you think? Potentially, but in all honesty, I haven't done a huge amount of songwriting recently. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm still, you know, I'm experiencing the world. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, um, no, I have done. Uh, yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Um, I think growing up as well, I'm still at that age where I'm, I'm young, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But like Simeon's album Mono. Yeah. That, um, incredible. There are lots of like Ed Carlson's, his album. What is it? Unfold? No, that's one of his tracks. I can't remember. But his his album's great. Um, your stuff. I could just name lots of artists that you know. Definitely, it definitely has like whether it's obvious or in subconsciously. Yeah. Um, so yes, and no good example, but yes, in, to answer to your question. <laughs> uh, I think there was, there was a period of time, it's probably around when I was uh, when I was Katie's age, when uh, music, the 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 wideness, the the greatness, the the vastness of the musical possibilities that there are was starting to open up and and so I go back to to certain albums there's the two that come to mind one is uh, Keith Jarrett's clone concert which was just a, a revelation of what what the possibilities of improvisation were on the piano and and I'd listen to it obsessively over and over and over again and somehow I could still not quite believe that that would have been improvised in front of a, a live audience, yeah. and it it was, it was, and and still is something that that I go back to, uh, just to kind of sometimes give myself a uh, a rain check and and see what the level actually is. It's like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm struggling. Uh, and then the other one was is a, an album, the Chronos Quartet album, that had uh, different trains on, and then Electric Counterpoint, two Steve Reich pieces, and. And it was, there was an aesthetic about both of those, uh, a sort of a very contemporary, but also uh, in a language that I felt very, very connected to, but also deeply moved by. So, so different trains, which has got these uh, little uh, text fragments, little voice fragments in, with, and in a stunning performance with a Chronos Quartet. The, the the cover of that CD and I've bought it in probably about 15 different formats since then and, and stream it, give it to friends it's just a, a, a kind of um, uh, it's from that minimalist period with uh, meaning with structure, with uh, rigour and with precision, which out of which comes the most extraordinary emotional experiences and there's there's a bit in the last uh, the last of three movements in Electric Counterpoint, the Pat Metheny version on that record, where there's uh, just a little harmonic change that, that's been sitting in the, on the same mode over and over again for, for quite a long time, and then it goes to a, just a slightly more major mode, and it's like the sun coming out. And so when I listen to that record, my heart just explodes every time I hear it, and it still does. I probably heard it 25 years ago, 30 years ago, but now I still hear that particular bit and it's incredibly meaningful.
on to the last question. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> um, what can we expect 2019? I suppose both contemplative classical and and for you, Michael. What have you? Uh... Ooh, maybe I'll go. I might go first because then yeah, yeah. Katie might go. I didn't know you were going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. classical. <laughs> told me about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for for me, I've got uh, the 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 cycle of sort of artist work that in album terms with the race tapes feels like it wants to go slowly slow and and deep so um it took two three years to uh to research and write uh, entanglement and the same again for tender symmetry so the there probably won't be um a new erase tapes album for a while but that does mean i have to go back to the day job and so i've got a couple of films that i'm scoring at the moment and then the there's two or three quite big teleseries coming up so uh I won't I won't be idle but as for contemplative classical Katie there there are <laughs> it's like I, yeah exactly so sure. we, we could get a projector in the spreadsheet yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the um it it really feels like there the the more that the community of everybody uh that listens and participates the more that we can get everybody involved and the more that everybody themselves can take ownership and really uh, and really feel that they're part of this community, community and can help us grow it means that we can do more and more. So whether that's live events, there's whether that is physical publishing or virtual publishing, whether oh, so many opportunities that are not about us creating commercial opportunities which drag down the community... But the more that people get involved, the more that we can keep it uh, as a positive celebratory voice in lots of different ways. Um, so, yeah, so there are a few things I haven't mentioned yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is there anything that you can tell us? Uh, more of the same. Yeah. Um, interviews, guest playlist updates. Um, the blog might have a bit more of a variety of things, depending on what comes up. Cool. Um yeah, just just more of the same. Yeah, nice, but you nice know, event on Sunday. Piano yeah, we've got a yeah, but I don't know if that will have happened when this goes out. But yeah, sadly, I don't think it will it, be. It would have been brilliant. Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> been, it was amazing. Yeah, for yeah. anyone who was there, then, uh, <laughs> yeah. well done. Yeah, but hope, hopefully more events. Um, Great. But yeah, time will tell. Cool. Well, thank you ever so much, guys, for taking the time out today. And you're uh, welcome. Yeah, thank yeah. you. We'll, I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Great. Cheers. Thank you. All day I face the barren waste without the taste of water, cool water. Oh, then with throats burned dry and souls they crack
Like me, I 